This episode is brought to you by Habit Aware. What better way to start 2024 than by bringing awareness to your BFRB? My Keen 2 brings awareness to my trichotillomania by giving my wrist a gentle hug or vibration when I'm doing the scanning behavior. Bring awareness into your life by visiting barbaralley.com slash habitaware and use code LALLYLOVE for 10% off the replacement training bundle. My name is Jessica Martinez. I'm from California, Los Angeles, and I've been having trichotillomania since I was 12 years old. I first started pulling out my eyebrows at 12 years old. Luckily, I stopped, and then I went to my head hair, so I've been pulling my head hair since I was 15, and I'm like 45 now, so about 30 years already. And I also do this sometimes, so I also like kind of like pick up my skin here and there. <laughs> when did you find out that there was a name for this behavior you were doing? I actually was watching the TV show called at the time when I was a kid called 2020. And I remember this girl named Mandy Lynn was on the show and she was sharing her story. And I was like, at the time I was living with my mom and I was telling my mom like, mom, that's me. I have that. I have that. And she took me to the doctors. First they, the doctors say like, it's for attention and stuff. But Finally, they realized it's trichotillomania. How did it feel seeing someone on TV that did the same thing you did? I felt like, honestly, I was ha- I was in shock at the time because I thought I was the only one. But afterwards, I was like really happy that there was other people like me. When you did go to the doctor and finally get the diagnosis and like the name for it, what were some of the techniques or th- strategies that they had for you to maybe lessen your pulling? Well, it wasn't like well known. It was they would just tell me because it wasn't well known back then. They would they really didn't help me. All they would say that I would do it for attention. Like I'm seeking for attention, just sit on your hands, just put some chili pepper in your hands, or put band-aids around your fingers, and that that didn't help. <laughs> I can totally relate. So many times I would seek out help and no one really knew. Like you said, they had a name for it, but yet the strategies that they would give me didn't really make sense. It almost was like they were putting pressure on me to stop, even though it wasn't my fault. It, they treated it like it was my fault. I would always be blamed. Like it's like my fault. Like when I was growing up, like when I first started pulling my head hair at 15 year, years old, not to pick up my past, but my dad was very abusive towards it. And he would give me these names. He would call me like body and old man. Until this day, he still calls me those names. But I kind of had to cut up ties with my dad because it, w- it wasn't healthy for me. It wasn't helping my trichotillomania. It was just was making it worse. 
Yeah. And it's, it's so weird. You know, we're, we're pretty similar in age in the sense where it's like our parents, for some reason, thought shaming stuff out of us was going to help. And I think there's a change now, thankfully with like, you know, us, you know, eventually being parents or being parents now. And, you know, thank God, because yeah, why are you, you're, I'm already really struggling and you're making it worse for me. Exactly. But fortunately, parents don't see it that way. (laughs) Did you ever meet anybody with trichotillomania or any other BFRB growing up? I remember when I was in high school, I lost contact of her. But I remember there was this girl in my class. um, I think it was like math or history, something like that. And I will always remember, I will always see her like playing with her hair all the time, like twirling it and everything. And I kind of asked her like, hey, do you pull out your hair? Like, and I told, I had to tell her that I do it too. So she won't like, get nervous or freaked out. And she told me that she, she freaked out. She, she gave me the biggest hug and she started crying. He's like, you're like me. This is so cool. This is awesome. You can be my best friend. But it was like a very, I was happy, but I was like a very emotional, it was very emotional. I remember like meeting someone who I worked with for so long. I, I shared that I had trick and she said me too. And we hugged and like started crying. It is such an emotional thing because you don't often see people because everyone wants to hide right we're always thinking we're the only ones mm-hmm. you finally meet someone exactly it's just it feels good when I meet other people like me and sometimes I am open about my trichotillomania but most of the time I stay quiet because I'm scared I'm gonna get judged or I'm known to be weird or freak or what's wrong with me but when the time I'm open about it Sometimes people wouldn't know what actually it is now. Like, I have a friend, his mother pulls out her hair. I actually known another person, like, she says her child does it or something like that. Yeah, it's so much more common than I think people think. Because, Mm -hmm. like I said, we're all, like, kind of hiding. I think the statistic is only what it is because... So many people are still in hiding. It says like one in 20 or something. It has to be like one in four. You tell one person, they know somebody right away that has it too. Exactly. And when I told like, I don't know, he's a friend, boyfriend or whatever. He, he like, say, for example, if I told him, I told him about my hair pulling and he accepted me the way I was. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges for people who don't have a BFRB, like people with BFRBs, we're constantly worried that we're going to be judged or it's too windy out or, you know, I don't want to get my face wet because my makeup's going to be removed. How did you feel, you know, sharing with someone that you had a relationship with? He honestly, he felt sorry. He felt sorry for me, but I told him not to feel sorry for me. Because he sees me always like my hands in my hair. And then if he sees me like like touching my hair, he will like literally grab my hands to massage my hands till that my urge goes away. And then I, I used to go to hypnotherapy and one of the strategies they would tell him and then they would tell me it sounds kind of funny, but they said whenever I feel like an urge, since he has hairy legs, pull the hairs from his legs. 
it was kind of funny, but he kind of helped a little bit. So he would kind of jump here and there. It was kind of funny. It was funny. Yeah, did it did it hurt him? Did he he didn't like that, huh? Yeah, he was keep on jumping. It I don't think he liked it, but at least he was helping me. So you tried hypnotherapy. Have you tried anything else to kind of help your trichotillomania? I tried regular counseling. That did not work at all. I tried Prozac, um, soda, Paxil. That that didn't work for me. And I was, they were going to give me this other medication, but I, I forgot what it was called, but I cannot take it because I also have a heart condition. I have a pacemaker and a defibrillator inside of me. So there's not a lot of things I can't do. And when you were growing up and even now, what are some ways that you try to kind of hide your trichotillomania or cover it up? Wigs. Like this is like a wig. I wear wigs and with the wig, I have to wear it like a hairband because if I don't, I will constantly play with it. I love wigs. I recently got a topper and I love that they have so many different options now. Do you have like a favorite wig? Do you change your wigs up, uh, you know, depending on your outfit? Like how's your relationship with them? Um, I have this wig and I have another wig. I want to get a couple more, but money's kind of tight. Yeah, wigs can definitely be really expensive. So I totally feel you. Exactly. Did your trichotillomania ever make it so you felt like you couldn't participate in certain activities? Yeah, like say, for example, I avoid like a lot of people. I don't know why I have a fear because I have a fear like they're going to question me about my head, like my head. I avoid like, like say, for example, the wind, the rain. I avoid like a lot of things like gatherings. I avoid a lot of things. The beauty salon. (laughs) I avoid a lot of things. Swimming. I haven't gone swimming for like over maybe 10 years or something like that. And it kind of sucks in a way because my kids go swimming and I can't. (laughs) For people that don't have BFRBs, it's hard for them to understand like how serious this is for us because they think, oh, you're just pulling your hair out. Well, no, it actually impacts my whole entire life, not just my hair. It does because it does impact me too because I feel like sometimes I live like a double life. Like when I take off this wig, I'm a totally different person. I'm like bald, (laughs) patchy and everything. And when I have this wig on, at least I have some type of confidence. But, of course, people might question me, like, is that a wig? Because sometimes people do question it. (laughs) Those feelings that we feel start the second we start pulling our hair out. Because once we have any type of missing, it could be the smallest missing spot, we are worried we are going to be, like, found out, you know, in quotes, like, people are going to ask questions. And they do. And that's the worst part is that in our head, we get so nervous oh my gosh, I hope they don't say anything. And they do. They do. Like say, for example, even people will ask questions like, if I have cancer, I got that a lot. Mm -hmm. Or like if I have alopecia or anything, guys, I'm like, uh, no. I know some people who because they were so nervous to share about their trichotillomania that they would they would say, yeah, I have alopecia. Like, I don't want to be associated with trichotillomania because people are blaming 
me for doing this, even though it's my hand, it's not my fault. And it's hard for people to understand that. Exactly. For me, like people do ask me, like, what happened to my hair? What I usually say, I know it's wrong. It's kind of like a lie, but it's wrong. But since I have a heart condition, I would just say I'm going through treatment through my heart condition and I lost some hair because of it. And some people will believe me, actually will believe me because of it. But some people will find it kind of weird. Did you know HabitAware also offers virtual peer coaching? This one-to-one peer-based program will coach you through shifting mindset, practicing healthy strategies, and creating your personal roadmap to recovery. To work with me, Ellen, or Anila, head over to habitaware.com slash coaching today. I like to say, you know, it's not our responsibility to tell every single person in the world if they're curious. They can still be curious and I can lie to them because I don't have to. Just because I have something doesn't mean that they need to know. And so, yeah, if you're lying, I've lied so many times and I still will sometimes if I feel like, you know what, I don't want to have this conversation. You don't get to always know my life. It's something kind of special to me that I can share if I choose. Exactly. That's why sometimes I, if I want to, I could share it. If I want, I don't have to. <laughs> Growing up, did you ever experience other BFRBs? I remember, I think I was like, but I don't know how old I was, like maybe kindergarten, three or four. I don't remember how old I was, but I do remember I would also pick the skin from my lips till it bleeds. And then I would also sometimes bite inside my cheek, but I would like, I stopped doing that, but it was like very painful. <laughs> Me too. You know, I grew up with different BFRBs and a lot of people with BFRBs will have different ones throughout their life. And it is so interesting that now there will be people who maybe have trick and I say, oh, well, you know, the BFRBs include lip biting and picking your lips and chewing your cheeks. And they're like, oh, really? I did that, too. I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes I do admit, even though I have sometimes I'm scared my son might have it, too. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest fear of my kids. But my oldest son, I'm scared he has like so, starting to have BFRBs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of my next question is when you were having children, was that a fear of yours that they would have trick too, or just any BFRB? Uh, yes, because I heard supposedly, I heard that it's genetic. And I think my my oldest son has it because of what, what he does. So, but that's weird. My, both of my parents, nobody has it in my family. <laughs> yeah, me too. My My parents called everybody who was living. And said, hey, do you pull your hair out too? Barbara does. And no one knew. So maybe someone in my family tree who isn't alive anymore had it. But yeah, for me, it's I'm the only one that I know in my my close family. Yeah, the same here with me. But sometimes I wonder if I picked it up with my dad's side of the family because it was a like in his my dad's side. Since my dad's been a very abusive I'm wondering, like, his sister had depression, and then next thing, his um, nieces and nephews and a few other people in his family were addicted to drugs. And this has anything to do with it or not. And I think what's great about people with BFRBs that have children who potentially could have BFRBs is, like, who's a better parent to have? 
than you because you get it and you can help them not feel the same way that we felt growing up. Exactly. Because when my son does certain things, like say, for example, when he was little, he kind of grew out of it, but he would have a habit, like if he's laying down on his blanket or if he has a stuffed teddy bear, he will pull all the fur out of his teddy bears or pull the fur out of his blankets. And he doesn't do that anymore, but sometimes he was does this, does this with, his, with his hair. But he doesn't pull it, but he goes like this a lot. And I see that often with people. It's like, how do you self-soothe? Like when you are feeling a certain type of way, what are you doing? Because our BFRBs are helping us in the best way that they know how to try to soothe our body. And it's like, everyone has to self-soothe. How are you? If you're not, if you're not doing a BFRB, what are you doing? Exactly. To me, it might be soothing, but at the same time, it kind of sucks because most of the time I don't even realize that I'm doing it. That's how addicted I am. That's why sometimes I might say here and there, it feels like a drug. And the only reason that it feels that way, because I'm not even aware if I'm doing it. And if I do realize it's like getting high, like it feels good. And then the after effect, you feel like kind of like crap afterwards because the damage you do. Tell me a little bit about your, you know, trichotillomania ritual, if you have one. Okay, like if I'm playing a game on my phone or if I'm bored, I don't know, or if I'm stressed out about something, I don't know, that's when it usually triggers me. I will start playing with my hair. you look for a specific type of hair, like a crinkly one or one that's, you know, different in length? I just pull any hair that I could find my hands on. <laughs> it doesn't have to be kinky or colored. It has to just any hair that I could find. Do you have certain places in your house or just in your life where you know, okay, I usually pull a lot there? I pull like sometimes in the living room, but I try not to because the simple fact is I have kids and I don't want to pull in front of my kids. So when I feel like a sensation is coming, it's hard to explain. I have to go to the bathroom and stop. Like, and then next thing I might be using the restroom and then I start pulling without noticing it. But I try not to do it around my kids. <laughs> Do you like having an accountability partner where, you know, if they see you pulling, they are grabbing your hand and, and giving you a massage? Or would you prefer people not really to mention it? I really prefer like people not to mention it because that's when it kind of gets worse because I get more like started. And then when I get started, next thing my hand goes to my hair even more. Yeah, I'm the same way. I prefer to not have someone say, Barbara, stop doing that. I'm like, don't talk to me about it. Like, I'd rather just let me do it and I will deal with it later. Exactly. I'd rather handle it on my own because I I don't like people telling me like, hey, you're pulling or look at, look at your hair. Like, I don't know. It's just, it feels uncomfortable for me. Have you ever seen an actor or actress in a show or movie, even in a book, have trichotillomania? Heard like supposedly, I don't know if it's true or not. 
There was a show called the Jay Leno Show, and Colin Farrell was on the show. And supposedly, the, Colin Farrell admitted that he pulls out his hair. And then I also heard that. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look up the Jay Leno Show because I I love finding clips or seeing people with a BFRB, and I always love to see in the show are they doing it justice? Are they actually making it what how we do it versus like being dramatic? Exactly. And I also think, I, I, I might be wrong in this, but I also think Whoopi Goldberg also has trichotillomania. Because if you notice, she has no eyelashes, no eyebrows, and she always, sometimes when she's on the show, what's it called, The View or something? She goes this a lot. Like, if you, it's it's interesting. It's like, I was like, does she have it or not? <laughs> I'm definitely going to look that up. I love, I want the representation. You know, I want to see people on the TV that look like me. I think that would be amazing. To me, like a lot of people have, I know a lot of people have it, but a lot of people do stay quiet about it because they're embarrassed or ashamed because it's uncomfortable because one person would say like, hey, I put my hair. It's it's uncomfortable because if I say something like that, oh my God, we'll like literally have an anxiety attack. Yeah, it's it's something that's very close to us. It's like we, this is for many people, our like secret. You know, sometimes people don't share ever. And so, yeah, to be open about it is really tough, is a very huge step in the healing journey. Exactly. Like even like when I go to the doctors, because they give me um some type of medicine for my head because I my head got infected because of all the pulling I do because I get boils and stuff. And they would say, oh, take off your wig. Let me see how your hair looks. And it's so, I can't, I do it, but it takes me a long time to do it because I get so scared and so nervous. So let's talk about social media. Were you excited to search a hashtag, Trichotillomania, and see people? Yeah, I actually did that. Like, I've been doing that for, gosh, for quite a while. I did that on Instagram and then just on Facebook. There's some groups set for it and then... Especially TikTok, there's a lot of people who show share their story, like like really share this, and I think that's amazing. I share it a little bit here and there, but I'm not ready to share everything yet. <laughs> when you started sharing, how did you feel? I know it was like you know very nerve wracking, but like, did it feel good? Honestly, I was really scared. <laughs> I was like scared. And it turned out like everybody was, some people were saying like, I have it too. Or like I grew up having it and I met some really good friends. I remember, I know I met some really good friends. <laughs> what is your relationship with your trichotillomania now versus when you were first starting? I know I'm not cured, but I feel like I'm halfway cured because I like to learn about trichotillomania, what causes it, what can I now? There's more techniques or tools to help you and stuff. Back then, they didn't have any of that. So there's more research. I think I'm like halfway here, but I still pull. (laughs) When I was growing up, I've always felt like it was my fault that I couldn't stop or anything. But now I say it's not my fault because... It's just something I have to learn to deal with. (laughs) What would be your advice to someone who really wants to start sharing their story, but they're nervous? Honestly, I would say 
just go for it because you're going to meet some amazing people like you. You're going to meet a role model like you. Would you talk about it like to the person who has it or to speak about it? It's it's amazing. It's like something lifted off your shoulder. And I don't feel like a shame, to be honest with you. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's really absolutely life-changing to meet other people like you. There's this underlying understanding that you can't really get anywhere else. Exactly. But I just wish I knew this before, like to speak up more about it before. But it was, I don't know, maybe I was scared or something. (laughs) For listeners who are listening right now, what is something you'd like to tell them? I just would like to tell them, don't give up. There's always hope. I know there's no cure for it, but always think positive. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Just don't give up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trick Talks. Did you know that I offer a Trichotillomania online course? My course is called Sharing Our Stories. As a gift to you, please use promo code TRICKTALKS25 to receive 25% off the five-session package. You can access this promotion at barbaralelli.com. Thank you.